Hey, this is Heath Paget, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 150. The RV Entrepreneur is a podcast for anyone who is interested in downsizing their life, creating remote income, and working from anywhere. A few years ago, I stumbled across a Canadian RV manufacturer called Leisure Travel Vans. There was a period, a dark period, I think, of my life where I basically just sat on RV Trader. I don't, I don't call it a dark period. It was a happy period. I just sat online and looked at RVs all day. And this company stood out because in a sea of kind of sameness in the RV space, there's a lot of brown and stuff. They just had very clean, modern aesthetics in the products that they that they create. And I'll just say at the beginning of this episode, this is not an ad for them. They're not sponsoring this episode. But I met some of the leadership at the company last year, Ryan and Mike Elias, whose great-grandfather started Triple E, who eventually bought leisure travel vans. And they've really been the people who helped make the company what it is today in a lot of ways. They, they've been leaders since they acquired them back in 2008. And we were talking at the RV show, just kind of hearing about the company. And they knew me a little bit because we talked online because I creeped on them on Instagram and YouTube quite a bit, just talking to them and telling them that their RVs were cool. And I was talking to Ryan, who's the general manager of the company. And basically, we were just talking about how the RV industry is insanely blowing up right now. Like over a half million RVs were sold last year and everyone's doing well and kind of feeling the surge and the boom of the space. And he kind of countered with, yeah, but you know, you should have seen the industry back in 2009, 2010 during the recession, because a lot of companies went out of business during this time. There's a lot of overhead with being a manufacturer, you have lots of staff, and it was a hard time for the company. And they almost went out of business. And it was just a really tough time, a young guy stepping in to, to run the company. And Ryan and his brother, Mike, have since come through the other side and not only built a, a thriving company, but they're consistently one of the leaders in the RV space. And the reason I tell you all this is because Alyssa and I are currently in Canada. My butt is sitting in a leisure travel van right now. So all of my creeping online, I guess, paid off because they're letting us test drive one across Canada. And again, by no means is this episode sponsored by them. I invited them on the show. They didn't ask to be on there. And the reason I asked them to be on the podcast is because I wanted to hear and have them dig into this transition period that they went through in the recession and what they learned during that process, because they actually simplified and did away with over 90% of the products that they had been creating in the past for over for decades, they had been creating all different kinds of RVs and they simplified and just focused on one single product line. They minimized their debt and did a lot of other things that allowed them to go through a recession and survive and thrive when a lot of other companies had went out of business. And so whether you're trying to build a new RV manufacturer or just running a small business from your RV, I wanted to try to figure out what are the things that you can be thoughtful of if and when another recession comes? How can you try to strive to create a recession-proof business and habits so you can always be thoughtful and saving up for a rainy day, essentially. So that's kind of the overview of this episode with Ryan and Mike. We sat down at their office in Winkler in Manitoba and just kind of dug into what it was like going through this phase of having to lay people off and what they learned in that process of the business and how they may do things differently or what advice they would give to other companies to prepare for going through a recession. I hope you guys enjoy this episode because I really did. And it's fun to dig into topics with people who aren't necessarily building something from the road, but building something in this industry that I love and hope you do too. 
Before jumping into today's episode with Mike and Ryan, I just want to thank today's sponsor, Stories from the Road podcast. One of my favorite parts about RVing is sitting with other people and just sharing stories. The good, the bad, the hilarious. The Stories from the Road podcast talks to RVers from all walks of life and what led them to the RV lifestyle, the things they like, the things they don't like, and where they see themselves going in the future. The conversations are heartfelt and funny, and if you're any kind of RVer yourself, and you probably are since you listen to The RV Entrepreneur, you'll identify with a lot of what you hear. That's Stories from the Road podcast, and it's available in iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and everywhere else that you can listen to podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Ryan and Mike. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Mike and Ryan Elias from Leisure Travel Vans. In 1965, Ryan and Mike's great-grandfather was one of the original co-founders of a company called Triple E, which was originally a heating and plumbing business that decided to start making travel trailers. Over the last 50 years, Triple E has morphed into a major Canadian RV manufacturer and is better now known as Leisure Travel Vans, a company they acquired back in 2008. Ryan and Mike, thanks for being on the podcast, guys. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming to visit. So did you guys grow up and think like you're for sure going to be a part of this company and this is what y'all are going to do forever? That's tough to say. I would say probably not, but you know, it's a, it's a definitely a family affair. We, we grew up working in the factory and, and uh, learning a lot of the different jobs of, of obviously how to manufacture an RV, right? Yeah. It was years of learning and exploring and, and, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. I would say there wasn't a lot of pressure, you know, from, from our parents to get involved. It was more up to us and, and here we are, you know, um, many years later, I think it's mostly by choice that we're involved and, and we have a lot of fun and uh, it's a great, it's a great industry to be in and it's a great, great business and great, you know, uh, way to, to grow up, I would say. I feel like sometimes in the movies when people have uh, small family owned businesses, like somebody wants to grow up and be like a ballerina or something like that. And then the dad's like, no, you got to take over the family business. You can't chase your dreams. So there was none of that. No, none. Not at all. Easier. Totally, but totally by choice. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So one thing that I thought would be really interesting for you guys to chat about is we we're talking about this at, at the Louisville show, which was a lot of RV companies went bankrupt back in 2008, 2009. Like they just went under during the recession. There's a lot of overhead within manufacturing businesses. And you guys not only came through that, but you came through it, I would say, as a kind of an emerging leader within RV manufacturing. So I just thought we'd kind of dig into like the process that uh, like set the stage, what was happening during that time during 2008, 2009 for you guys. Yeah. So uh, I guess 2000, early 2008, I'd say just, just pre-recession, we started uh, negotiating with a local company here, actually just seven miles down the road from us, called Leisure Travel Vans, and uh, they were producing Class B vans, primarily on the Sprinter, the Sprinter chassis. You know, we started to they were they're looking at potentially selling that uh, a bunch of sh- uh, three shareholders from uh, the city that uh, we're looking to um, move on with the company, and so we we started negotiating and see what that would look like, and we thought it would be a good product offering to add to our existing. Um, a lineup of recreational vehicles, right? So we closed the deal in uh, March of 2008 to to acquire the company. Continued on, thought things would just uh, be kind of rosy from there on, and we were we were producing Triple E, being Class A motorhomes, uh, travel trailers, fifth wheels, and some Class C product, primarily for the Canadian market. And uh, Leisure Travel Vans was producing Class B motorhomes, primarily for the United States market, right? With the dealer network uh, in the United States, primarily. So uh, shortly thereafter, we, you know, the recession hit hard and we were left with uh, two, obviously two struggling RV companies where credit wasn't 
wasn't available. Uh, dealer inventory was extremely high. Uh, our, our inventory at both factories was also high and growing. And, and how long had you guys been with the company at this point? I started uh, with the co- well, I say we kind of grew up with the company working in the factory and, and whatnot, all, and started uh, went to school in the city and, and came back in uh, the early two thousands, as when I um, kind of came into the you know terms of the administrative side of, yeah. of helping manage the business. Right, and this for for me it was probably right when I was kind of just getting uh, getting started on a you know on a full time basis. I graduated university in two thousand nine, so it was right when I uh, kind of. Starting getting more plugged in, I guess per se. Always was was involved even earlier on, even throughout university, even in the marketing side, you know, making brochures and stuff like that. But more on a in a higher level of capacity, I guess, right right in the in the thick of it. So it was it was an interesting time to start. Yeah. So you guys buy uh, leisure travel vans, and you're thinking, okay, we we just bought this new brand. We're going to expand Class Bs. We're going to kick butt, and it's going to do really well. And then kind of the bottom drops out of the market, and there's probably. I think most industries that have manufacturing jobs like were kind of struggling a little bit during this time. So what do you what's kind of the mindset like how just how much did business go away during this time? Oh, I, I would say it's our, it was the hardest period of time our company has has gone through of the you know 50 plus years in, in business. I mean obviously I don't have the experience with um, in the early years but uh, it, it hurt. It was an extremely painful period of time and you know obviously we thought we had made it a good decision to to you know acquire this company would uh, complement our product offering, and you know things just just got worse. Yeah. Not because of this acquisition, just the market purely market just dried up. Right? I can remember this time and. It, some months we'd get excited of a few orders like it was i'm speaking on the leisure side of things but it was dry <laughs> completely mm-hmm. so yeah. what do, i mean so what do you do like it did it did it dry up like overnight or was it kind of a slow uh, not overnight i would say that you know on the triple e side things were soft uh, pre-acquisition already and the dollar was uh, our canadian dollar was increasing and we had we had a tough time competing at a at what we call a par dollar to the to the united states dollar and because most of our business was in canada and uh and so so it, it, we were you know things that had struggled for the the past few years before that uh, with rising inventory and the Canadian dollar and oil prices uh, to, to, to play into the into the Canadian market right and then to add to the you know the United States recession and back to your question it didn't dry up overnight but it was it Fairly was quick it was quick when we bought we started you know negotiating in early 08 things were still okay by March you know when we closed the deal they things weren't you know it was there was some sign of of uh, a softening, but then shortly thereafter, you know, it was just dead. Completely. Did you guys feel like you maybe made a bad decision with oh, buying the company and not having cash on hand? And absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah it was it's, we thought, you know, this was a horrible mistake. Shortly thereafter, not only did we have, you know, even with without leisure, you know, Triple E would have we had our hands full there alone, and now we had not only I think you know you could speak more to this, Rye, but not only was the the economy obviously super tough but even just trying to integrate the two companies to work together it couldn't happen at a worse time no for those t- period of times now looking back and we're going to get to this i'm assuming <laughs> it was you know it's, it's been a great decision but uh, during those during the thick of it it was it was not an easy time yeah it sounds crazy i mean but being in texas i guess i don't know if because the economies there were doing much better or because i was 18 and just not concerned with what was happening out in the world of 
businesses, but it's like I didn't really have an understanding of just how much this affected a lot of businesses during this time. So the bottom goes out of the market, you guys buy leisure. And then what, like, what are the types of conversations that you guys are having during this time? Like, how do you, I don't know if fixing it is the right word, but how do you move forward during this time when you're not selling units? And it's like, you can't really afford to probably hire lots more people to like figure out how to sell more rigs. And well, I think the first period was just purely survival mode, right? You're okay. How do the market's drying up? Uh, we have inventory on the yard. We have inventory in the field. Nobody's buying anything. How do we, what are we going to do to survive this, this period? Right? So, I guess over the course of the next um, uh, several several months, you know, you obviously would want to continue to try to move a little bit of product and and uh, in a in a drying economy, it's, it's difficult. What do you what do you do What did you do during that time? I guess, Mike. I mean, you're you're working on, you work on the marketing side, so it's like, what were you, were you trying to push during that time? Like, it's expensive to go out and do lots of video campaigns and things like that, but. Like, what are you trying to do on no budget? Yeah, well, obviously there was huge discounting going on just mm. to get get things moving along. I would say our dealers and, and even our sales managers had to get very creative. And I think they came up with some very interesting strategies in terms of consignment and things that we had never even, you know, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't want to go there uh, in a normal situation. But we had to, right? So you, you get creative. The dealers, I think our dealers did a great job. You know, I think we did a good job supporting them in, in finding unique ways to to get rid of some inventory. So from a marketing side, I was just getting plugged in and, you know, there was no magic formula to get, <laughs> yeah. to start selling RVs. I would say it was, it was the only time in kind of my career that I've seen we've done aggressive discounting and, you know, we would be promoting this through advertising and mm. stuff like that. So it's obviously not the best way to, to do the marketing, but you had to, we had to do, we had to pull all the guns in, <laughs> yeah. in that situation, right? So, yeah, in addition to that, so we had the leisure side, we also had the triple E side, right? So, we had two separate businesses running, right? So, dealing with, you know, inventory and, and challenges on the US side, we had the, you know, triple E side with the Canadian market, which also was also uh, struggling at the time, too. So, to two different animals, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was a challenge, and it was, it was a big, big challenge for, I would say, well, we went through that period uh, for almost a year of uh, kind of survival mode until we decided to actually close down the leisure operation in terms of manufacturing facility and move it into the, the Triple E factory in Winkler. And were you, uh, I know obviously there's other leadership here uh, at the company, but were you in a, the general manager role then as well? Actually, when, when we acquired the, the company, Leisure Travel Vans, I uh, went over to work alongside the existing uh, management there who had a we had a transition plan for him and so I worked alongside with him for the first uh, well until we decided to to shut down the manufacturing space and, and move it over to Winkler so, and how old were you during that time if you don't mind uh, me asking. well I would have been that was in 2008 uh, I was just over 30 yeah, yeah. I, it was a dark it was a dark period yeah you know laying off people uh, good people that uh, are doing a good job for the company, and, and uh, it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do mm. in my in my career. What was your mentality like during this time? I don't know. It's a good question. It, it, just try to try to stay positive and and survive this, right? Mm. And, and it really it comes down to the people. We, we struggled for a long period of time along with everybody else in the market. But, uh, you know, we actually, we talked around the board table and there was times like, do we, 
what do we do here? How do we get through this period? Do we, you know, do we just uh, finish off the chassis and orders we have and, and actually close up shop? Or, you know, do we just fight this whole and hope, you know, that uh, the market will come back? It will come back. So there was conversation around, like, do we just close up yeah. and go home? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's not something you know we were publicly talking about, yeah. but that that was the truth. I mean, because the losses were were significant, and and we were just like, well, how how can we get through this? And and not only one company, two companies, right? And it, it's not like now where you can look back and say, well, it eventually popped back. Like you don't know how long it's going to last. And probably right. during that time, people are so pessimistic that yeah. they're probably saying like, this could go on for ten years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys consolidated, you closed down the leisure, you, yep. you know, brought people in and you had to lay people off. Mm-hmm. And and then what do you do next? Like, how do you start making um, a comeback and, and start really getting through that? Because other companies, like you said, they just kind of folded up and, and had to go home. Uh, and I know from talking with Mike the other day that one of the reasons you guys were able to keep going was because you all didn't carry a lot of debt during that time. Mm-hmm. And so that was one part. Like, what are some of the other things that helped you guys get through this period? Yeah, so that I mean that's a foundation for us in in our I would say family philosophy is cash uh, preservation, right? And in the RV space, you you know we've gone through many a, a cycle, and uh, is that just like a you bring in you like have a certain certain amount that always goes into essentially a company savings during for. I don't know. Is there like a you know sort of structure? It's, I guess it's sort of. It's just and it's basically for us is, is uh, yeah cash preservation and also uh, to minimize the amount of debt that we have right in, on our in our facilities and, and borrowing in general right is to be conservative in that in that way um, because you don't you don't know when the next one's coming and so it's it's a very cyclical product and um, you know we want to. We've always been able to get through the the dips. This one obviously was the hardest dip, but um, that's been a big one. So I guess if we fast forward back to this story, um, to 2009, uh, consolidated operations into into Winkler here, created a makeshift, uh, we'd call it assembly line for the leisure products uh, down the far side of our building and integrated the staff and, and process, and engineering, build materials, all that stuff, right? into our, our facilities here and, and started uh, kind of a, a new chapter in, in the story, right? And I think this is where the conversation is going to turn uh, and get more exciting and, and uplifting. And, and uh, the, one of the things which, which I noticed is it was a really good marriage of two, these two companies. Triple E obviously had a lot of structure and, um, you know, long, a long history, right? A little, you know, Leisure did too. It was started in the 70s. Not quite as far back as, as Triple E, but Triple E had a lot of structure, had uh, good systems in place. Um, obviously, the, we were well known for our quality, and but maybe lacked a bit of creativity and innovation, uh, if I could say that. On the leisure side, they had that. They had they had a lot of innovation. They had come up with some in, uh, some really cool products in, in the previous years to when we acquired the company, and so they were kind of on. A, they had some momentum, I would say, from the innovation side, and had become known uh, for this in the industry. And so when we blended these two companies, the quality and the systems and structure uh, with the innovation uh, side of the leisure, a really cool thing started to emerge. And um, I don't know, maybe Ryan wants to tell the story of uh, the, the unity. And I think that's a pretty significant story in, in, this, in this theme. Mm-hmm. I guess we back, if we back up just a little bit, we, um, there's a couple things is... Uh, Talk about innovation and design. Uh, Leisure had been attending the uh, Caravan Salon show in uh, in Germany 
uh, every year for the last you know, many number of years prior to us purchasing the company. So we, we thought, oh, well, let's, uh, let's check this out and let's see what we can learn. And so we even took on to, you know, attending the show there and, and getting some ideas from from Europe, European influence and, and flair. And that was one thing, right, that was uh, beneficial to us to see how, how things were built in Europe. And, and obviously in Europe, the, the size of the product that they focus in on is basically what we're building now. And for a while, we're building now is kind of on the big side, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously mm-hmm. no slide outs and stuff like that. So any space utilization yeah. design. Just aesthetics. aesthetics and, yeah. 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 Creating rounded cabinets and, exactly. and bright designs and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Flush LED lights, just yeah. all those little things, right? Exactly. So then we got approached in 2009 by an individual by the name of Al Yoder. And Al was the uh, ex-president, I believe, of Jayco. And he was good friends with uh, Phil... Our, our chairman and over the years it connected at different different events and he came to us and says you know um i got a kind of an interesting design of a on the sprinter chassis cab chassis that uh, uh i was wondering if you guys would be interested in in building um, so we talked about it further a few conversations uh, and some sketches and had some ideas and and during this time, you guys were probably open to ideas. Like we, we had need. nothing. <laughs> we had nothing Pretty better well. to do, right? We, yeah. I mean, we're trying to preserve the core staff that we had left, yeah. uh, keep them busy doing something, and we're thinking, you know, what do we got to lose? Not a lot. So we put Al's ideas together, and, and um, this is where the Mike was talking about the marriage between uh, the two companies. We we, we formed this uh, conceptual idea of this product that we wanted to build with Al's uh, kind of vision for the floor plan and we came up with the name Unity and it, it was it was meant to be between you know the the way of that we were building a I would say a class A motorhome the construction of, of that uh, the vacuum bonded walls the construction of the floor the roof uh, uh, foundation and the way Leisure was building the I would say the aesthetics right European use of space use floor of plan design yeah, yeah. yeah and put them two together the two designs and, and call it the unity and so we did that and with Al's, Al's uh, expertise on, on the floor plan and this uh, he came to visit us in September early September of, uh, of 2009 and by late uh, November we had a prototype hmm. and we we showed it uh, launched it at the Louisville show in in uh, December of 2009 and its its uniqueness was uh, a Murphy bed, so it was a Murphy bed in a small twenty four and a half foot uh, um, RV on, built on the Sprinter chassis, uh, which wasn't you know was 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 very unique to that space. Um, I think that was like one of the like, first things I noticed and I saw about y'all's vans as I creeped on y'all online a few years ago. It was just like, look at this Murphy bed; it looks really classy. It's nice, yeah. and yeah, yeah. And that was Al Yoder, um, his his vision. And uh, he since has passed away, but uh, we, owe, we owe a great, a great deal of uh, respect uh, to to him for coming to us with this design. So he he, he did land up uh, purchasing the 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 prototype and 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 used it for several years, but uh, it was a huge success. I mean, it, it 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 did take a little while to get out to the market. Obviously, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. By the time we we got into production with it, late uh, in the summer of two thousand ten. 
and uh, the market was slowly starting to come back. And but the, you know, it took a little while for acceptance because something so different in the market and the space. You know, obviously, you get this big bed and and uh, big spacious class A type bathroom in it. Mm. Um, but the use of space, you know, also not having a permanent bedroom gave us, you know, really opened up things, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I read somewhere online, I guess, from an old article about leisure vans was, I guess, in 2011, 12 or 13, something like that, that 80% of sales were coming from leisure vans, the company that you guys had acquired because y'all had built class A's and everything mm-hmm. else in between. Uh, so you guys came out with the unity, the market started picking up and you ultimately start realizing that most of your revenue is coming from this company that you guys kind of thought was a mistake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do you do next? Well, that was an interesting few years, you know, between the acquisition and we were still making uh, both product lines for a period of time, Class A's, fifth wheelers, and Tripoli had a very wide product product range from Class A's all the way down to travel trailers. And um, Leisure was much more focused on the on the B's and the B pluses, I guess, if you want to call them that. Um, so it was interesting to, the next few years, I guess, were, were hard in the sense of giving up those those triple e products as you as you mentioned the, the leisure products did slowly start uh taking off and uh more and more our revenue came, was coming from 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 those product lines um but there's still a lot of attachment uh to the triple e products uh, as you can imagine these are the products you know our employees have been building for 10 20 30 40 years right and um and so there's a lot of emotional attachment to the products. And I would say especially to, well, both the Topaz line, which is our towable line, and and also to our big Class A's, you know, the Empress and the Commander. And the, these are products that Tripoli had become known for in the industry. And our employees took a lot of pride, and we took a lot of pride in building them. You know, they're beautiful, you know, big 40-foot Class A's that, um, that we had kind of almost, it almost become a part of our identity, right? So... It was a difficult thing to to even start thinking about you know, phasing them out and starting to 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 migrate or focus more onto the leisure products. And it didn't happen overnight. I Did would you, say. Do you do you remember whenever like the first time it got brought up in a serious way, like who brought it up, kind of thing? Like, let's potentially would it make sense to take away all of these comp- these rigs that you guys have been building for a really long time? Uh, no, I don't think I would say it wasn't probably one discussion or one, you know, uh, let's say let's, let's, let's do away with all this product. It, it was, it was a course of, I would say probably three, four years, uh, with, you know, okay, let's, let's discontinue this product line, uh, first. And then, you know, as that we can shift some labor over and start focusing more on the, on the leisure products. We, we, we ran the, we called the unity assembly line for several years with building a mix of product. We're building uh, the Unity in addition to uh, Class C's uh, built on the E-Series uh, chassis and also towables for a period of time as well. So slowly, okay, let's uh, let's phase out the, the towable uh, product offering and the Class A top product offering and we had some existing or, you know orders out there, dealer commitments and customers um, and uh, slowly transition towards building more of the same thing right the, the i guess the, the focus too is what if we have demand for a certain product like the leisure products why not build more of the same thing we've always been known for building a quality product so the more you build of the same thing technically a quality should 
you should be able to master that even better, mm-hmm. right? So we did that slowly. Started uh, integrating, building more leisure products, almost ex- extending and offering, adding to the product offering with floor plans and configurations. And uh, was I there guess, any was there any pushback during this time? Like it's let's not give up all these other rigs or oh yeah yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. What, what was the main argument there? Because I imagine it's just like I can't imagine and being there in the room during that time when you guys are talking about this because it's like. It seems crazy well, because it's like these things have sold a long time. Yeah, you know? I, I mean the argument point there wasn't really a lot to talk about when there's no orders. Yeah, it's pretty. That's true. It's a pretty easy discussion. But there's still pride. There is. There's Absolutely. still pride yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. like this market will come back and yeah. we can just stop for a period of time. Like, yeah. well, that was yeah. one. But and that's what that was the one thing we always said. We're not. We never sent out a letter saying we're done building mm-hmm. Class A motorhomes, right. for example. Okay. Right. And and our father was actually he was very that was he was adamant on saying that because you don't know. Yeah. What's going to happen? Right. Where the market's going to go? Right. So we just slowly stopped, you know, we stopped building them, and because there was no orders, right. And and then there would would be dealers that would phone and say, well, if you can get us an order for, you know, if you and a few other dealers, we can get you know an order for twenty yeah. class A's or whatever it was, we we might we can consider it. But for an order for two or three here right now, mm-hmm. sorry, we just can't do this, yeah. right? Yeah. And I would say that's one thing historically triply has been very good at is being adaptable to the market and and shifting as the the product demands uh, changed so it wasn't actually you know it wasn't actually we became good at that in the last recession i think it was a result of being good at being adaptable helped us navigate mm-hmm. uh, the last recession so making these decisions although they were hard to discontinue these iconic products that we had uh, been been well known for uh, it was kind of in in the nature of the company to it's survival mode. So you know, I think it was smart decisions to yeah go where the demand is, and and then demand at that time was in the leisure product. So we slowly started shifting. So mm-hmm. after you guys kind of stopped slowly making all these other products, not necessarily announcing it, what happened in the business? Uh, obviously, you know the the, the market continued to. To, you know, the demand for the product continued to increase. We started to add a few dealers, and uh, and things started to you know started to, to take off, right? And obviously, our efficiency got better. We were able to produce these RVs at a at a at a more efficient uh, level, right? So the profitability and, and um, yeah, it was it was an exciting time, exciting yeah. time to go to yeah. RV shows during that mm. time. And see the you know the just the interest and the chatter of for for our products, and uh, you know talk to consumers and see how we can make them better and improve and and really invested hard in market. You can talk about the marketing side, but really you know post recession really focused hard on marketing the product, not only the design and quality, but how do we how do we market the product and, and help the dealers and yeah. consumer and consumers. Uh, find out information about our company yeah i want to hear more about that but also like one other thing going back to the decision to go with all class b's were you guys worried that the market was big enough like wasn't big enough like because class b's are only a small percentage of the market and a lot of times i feel like when people talk about like go niche go small like be great at your one thing like be great at one product line you can master it build quality but then there's also the other side of that argument well is it big enough to scale to where you want to go well, one, one cool thing about that is when we acquired Leisure, they had a, a very uh, strong brand or a growing brand, I would say, in the U.S. And so and the reason that relates is, is it, although the BB Plus market is niche, uh, with them having a presence in the U.S., it, it opened our doors to that market. 
And so I wouldn't say it was an over, a huge concern of being too niche, um, but the U.S. thing was huge because Tripoli had tried for many years to, uh, maybe not overly aggressively, but had tried to enter the U.S. market with with limited success and 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 with leisure having a good dealer network uh, in the U.S. It, it gave us an in, and so that was huge for the company. Um, Even with towables being like 90, 80% of the market, you guys weren't like, we don't need to capture that. Like, I guess what, why, I'm trying to think of the right words to say here, but it's like, I guess, I don't know if there's an ego or, or it's like a, um, uh, ambition to like want to say, well, we need to go be the bigger guys that, that really try to tackle that. Like, I don't know what, you know, what makes you okay with saying like, we're just going to go be the best. And I mean, I admire that in a huge way, but I'm just wondering, like, mentality-wise, like, how do you not get distracted because you could do so many things? I, I guess I personally struggle with this idea of, like, I can do a lot of different things. So, like, what makes you, what discipline make, allows you to stay focused on, on creating just Class Bs? Not just Class Bs, but only three, three products, really, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a quality thing, right? We know the more we focus, stay focused, and, and don't broaden our... Our scope and our offering too terribly much we can stay focused and on building a great product and being like in our, our vision statements to be a premier company right and, and we want to build a premier product yeah i was talking to mike the other day i was like i don't know if you like this comparison but you guys are kind of like the in and out burger also compare you to apple because i say like, <laughs> I like you're the that clean... comparison better. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i was thinking like you go to an yeah. in and out it's like there's only a few things on the menu it's like you can get burgers fries or shake yeah. or something it's yeah. simple and it's easy and people understand it and they get knowledge of what different rigs are it's not confusing like a lot of times there's like so many different varieties of an rv or even food choices like yeah. anyway I'll, I'll stick with the Apple comparison. Yeah. Well, and that if you get if we go back to the Canadian U.S. Uh, comparison too, like the Canadian market was you know thirty plus million people, uh, the ability to for us to stay, um, to ha- I guess to have enough product to build, we needed a wide variety of product, mm-hmm. right? So we had you know this good name in Canada, um, and our focus was in Canada, but we couldn't build just one type of product mm-hmm. to. Uh, keep the factory keep busy, busy enough, right? yeah. because yeah. the market grew of what where you could go you could simplify the products yeah. essentially yeah. Also in, we, we, we used to be a big fish in a small pond you know Tripoli had a pretty pretty good brand in in Canada and market share per se uh, and then all of a sudden we became a small fish in a big pond and I think from a marketing's perspective being a small fish in a big pond is, is kind of fun mm. and there's a lot of opportunity there right so so that was uh, that that was, a, I think, a, uh, an opportunity that a few things happened, um, which which all kind of worked in our benefit. It was kind of the rise of of internet, modern day internet marketing. Now we take all these things for granted, such mm-hmm. as you know YouTube and having a, a website that generates leads and stuff like this, and, and social media and all this. But back then, it was just kind of forming, and and one of the things that um, that I think we did a a reasonable job at least was leveraging that so you know we we weren't a big brand name per se but we tried to make ourselves appear as someone uh, or a company that that was maybe larger than than we were per se you know just just by doing everything in a in a in a quality way from from the products we built to the way we marketed them that was um i think it was it worked in our benefit you know kind of entering the u.s at that time and in, in uh you know the era of yeah. it was now everybody knows dean from leisure travel vans if yeah. you if you have no idea what i'm talking about right now youtube uh, leisure travel vans and check out dean he's uh one of their regional sales 
managers, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right. the yeah, yeah term? And uh, he's he's a pretty amazing host and tour guide of all the leisure vans. Uh, one thing I want to go back to is just is you guys have kind of went through this whole process of you know ultimately having even conversations of like, how are we going to get through this and during a recession and, and coming through the other side and simplifying and merging two companies and, and, and growing in that process. What are some of the big things that you feel like you've t- taken away from that, that if there was another recession, like you would do differently or maybe some things that you would share, maybe some things you'd share with other companies are like, how can you prepare to go through a recession and, and have a business that survives that? I would say, I mean, back to our foundation, you know, we talk about cash preservation, right, and, and debt and stuff like that. And that's been a, you know, that hasn't that hasn't cha- changed or maybe even come even more. Um, no, it's 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 still stayed the same, stayed yeah. the same in yeah. a sense, right, where cash preservation and, and uh, manage your debt in in, a, in the RV space. Is, so is, in a practical way, what does that mean to manage your debt? So, like, in other words, if you guys buy a new building – and take on a small amount of debt, it means basically trying to figure out how to hustle and pay that debt down as fast as possible. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that and that's something that's been with the company for long before our time. I th- they've always been uh, focused on being fiscally, you know, conservative and 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 not growing too fast. You, you, we talked a little bit about growth before, and you mentioned how do how do we not have the temptation to to you know even in the last few years, I would uh, you, you know. Some would argue we've pr- probably been a- we would have been able to sell more than we've we've been producing, um, but it's not been in our plans. And I think that all, that all relates to to this you know concept of being conservative you know when it comes to to debt. And so that, that not growing in a sense has maybe helped us stay in it for the long haul. Hmm. And and fast growth has never been, at least as far as I've known, has never been. Um, a, a, a target or a goal of the company a slow growth every year you know growing a little bit not just growing in revenue but also growing in our you know our products our people and everything like that process. that's process that's that's more the triple e you know the way and and, um, and right or wrong you know some would argue it's wrong so you know you know some I'm, and we're not saying it's the right way either it's just the way we've it's our, it's our way yeah right? it's just the way we've uh, we've done business and and it's something that you know our fathers instilled in us, and and the, his before the, his time as well. So it's something that's been passed down, and um, so that's kind of just the, our story, I guess. Yeah. Other than other than being conservative and slow growth, and and not having lots of debt, are there other things that you feel like you would share with other entrepreneurs to be thoughtful of? You know how like. I, think, I mean, there's your fundamentals, right? I mean, there's your your key what we call KPI, you know, key performance indicators that we're, things that metrics that we're we're monitoring that uh, we can do. I would say that have improved, you know, fairways from you know where we started and you know pre-recession, you know, our our live uh, field inventory, our retails, our our lead traffic. You can see exactly what the demand pre-demand in a sense, right? People that are researching our web traffic. Those are all things that we're monitoring and we can monitor that by, by product, by floor plan. And you can see, you know, this, and I guess even our, our, our lifeline, our product lifeline, we're often looking at, okay, where is this floor plan in our, in the whole product lifeline, right? Do we need to reinvest in this one and kind of re jumpstart it, right? Mm-hmm. To make sure we're, and that's not necessarily, you know, specifically to, to the recession, but it's, uh, or to, you know, to a downturn, but, but you know, there's a lot of those those metrics yeah. that we're monitoring that will better 
I guess another thing is like be willing to look for new opportunities and, to, and you have to take risks, you know. Um, so in, in a sense, we took some risk with the Unity Murphy bed, you know, taking El Yoder's idea and making it and a few other uh, products that we came out with in the, in the years after that. But we kind of combined those risks with what we were good at. So I would say, if, you know, for companies and startups that, that are, are going through a recession or a downturn, it's, it's like taking what you've become foundational, what you're good at, but maybe combining those with some new ideas where if you see if you see the market or trends going in different directions, you might be able to attach your ideas to or your 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 traits, your qualities to a new idea. And uh, I think that's that's kind of what we did from transforming our, our line of triple E products to the line of leisure products. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, you have to be open minded and, and willing to take risks and obviously educated risks. Right. And yeah. Yeah. Is a la- last question for you guys is like. As operators of of the business now, what do you feel like was kind of the biggest thing that you both personally took away from that time period? I think for me, it's really we stayed in the game for the people, mm. our our people, our staff, uh, our community here of Winkler, and and that's that's I'm reminded of that you know daily is our people are what makes the difference, no no doubt about it, right? We, and we've had a lot of you know fast forward to, to today a lot of competitors copy our, our our products or we've inspired them we should say by um to to take on some of our designs our unique designs but it's i would say you can copy our products but uh, you can't copy our people and we have some great amazing people um that have stuck with us with the thick of thin uh, of things right absolutely and we and and even through the lack the leisure acquisition some great people that joined our team, our family uh, after that. And that's, you know, I, I think of those those discussions even now here with this interview, I've kind of come back to deja vu in a sense, but, you know, going back to those those memories um, of, of during that time, it's the people and those conversations. And so we're going to make it through this and it's going gonna, it's gonna to work, right? And giving them confidence that not necessarily knowing what we're doing, right? Thinking <laughs> that we're going to get through this, right? Yeah. But, but it's about the people. Yeah. That's that's why we do what we do to to build community and uh, create employment and and for the families here that are part of our our community our triple E community right yeah uh, one insight I took away from it was even though that our, our company looks completely different today from a product perspective and from the outside looking in you know we go we publicly go by a different brand name and our products have changed wildly but the company and the core values have remained the same and I think that's that's um, been super important for for us and um, and that's what's ke- what's kept us in the game and I think you know here we are 10 years kind of into this almost 10 years into this new journey or chapter of the company and it's cool to see that we have like our employees have uh, they've really bought into this new this new chapter of the company and it's really fun to see and for me it's just it I just love being a part of it you know uh, the transformation that's it's been wild and it's been uh, challenging at times and, and fun at times. But overall, the, the whole team, like at Rice, says, the people in the team have been in there through the through the thick and thin. And that, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And that's what makes business fulfilling mm-hmm. is working with people and and a team and, and seeing progress. So that can yeah. come in many different forms. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Where's a good place for people to learn more about Leisure Travel Vans? Uh, I guess just our website, leisurevans.com and uh, Facebook. Leisure Vans, 
and and YouTube. You got to watch the as you mentioned. Uh, we we have quite a following on YouTube. And also, Alyssa and I are going to be in a wonder for the next three months, so you can follow along on our Instagram and check it out. So absolutely, we're looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode and also for listening through 150 episodes of this podcast. If you have any ideas for future episodes that or people that you'd love for me to feature or topics that you'd like to talk about on the podcast, whether it's about RVing or travel or business on the road or whatever subjects, even if it's a random outside of those, we'll see. Maybe we'll throw in a random episode. But whatever you have, throw the ideas my way. Twitter is a good place to get in touch with me. Not on there a lot, and there's not a ton of messages, so I actually read and see all of them, and I'm pretty responsive. So Twitter at Heath Paget is actually a really good place <laughs> if you ever want to chat. I will see you guys next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.